So let's read them. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. I want you to notice the sacrificial and priestly and temple terminology here. For you remember, in the Old Testament, only priests could offer sacrifices. Only priests could go into the temple, right? And only one of the priests, the high priest, could go into the most holy place once a year. Remember that. Look at this again, verse 15. Therefore, by him, Jesus, who offered himself, right, as our sacrifice for sin, by him, through him, what does it say? Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Then he defines what that is. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So you remember, in the Old Covenant, there was a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. The priests, some priests were always there at the temple 24-7, right? Look at that. We are to do the same thing continually. Then verse 16. But do not forget. In other words, this is not the only sacrifices that we, sacrifice that we make. He says, therefore, do not forget. He says, to do good... And to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What are the sacrifices? Doing good and fellowship. This means to share our lives with others. And God calls them, through the writer of Hebrews, he calls them sacrifices. And look how it ends. God is well pleased. So you remember that the, the need for sacrifice was, I've sinned. Sin separates me from God. Sin incurs guilt. I must pay for my sin. What do I do? I deserve to die. The sacrifice. So you go to the temple and you take your, your lamb, your sheep, your goat, your bull. Sacrifice is made and you are spared. But that was only temporary. Provisional. Waiting for Christ to come. So what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to show you how everything that was going on in the temple was fulfilled in Jesus Christ and now we are that temple. We are that priesthood. We are those sacrifices. And everything has gone from a very earthly, uh, material, corporeal reality to a spiritual reality, which is the greater reality. So let me, uh, let's do that now. So in the Old Covenant, in the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Testament, we had a covenant. And there were sacrifices made. And there were priests and a high priest and a temple. And then there was God's worshiping people called Israel. Right now, you think about Israel and you think about a temple. Before the temple, there was a tabernacle. You think about priests and they, they had a certain... Uh, certain clothing they, they were required to, to wear. There were times when they had to uh, make sacrifices. Uh, think about the, um, uh, the temple. There was the lampstand. And how, how, how long did they keep the lamps burning in the lampstand in the temple? 
all the time. There was a showbread, a table with 12 loaves of bread every day, freshly baked and placed there. And then there was the incense, the altar of incense. And then you step out of that and there was the altar for burning the animals. And the fires there, they were always going. And all day long and every night, the priests were going in and out. But only a very few people out of all of Israel, because the tribe Levi took care of the temple, but only one family in that tribe was allowed to be a priest. So all of this was taking place, and out of all of God's worshiping people, there were only a very few number that were actually in direct contact with God as represented by the temple, right? Now let's move to, that's B.C., now let's move to A.D., A.D. begins with the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now there is a new covenant. The old covenant, as we've read many times in Hebrews, is, has fulfilled its purpose, and a new covenant and a final covenant was made in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we then learn from the, from the, from the New Testament that Jesus is the new temple, right? Now, look in John chapter 1, verse 14. And there it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Very familiar words to us, right? John 1, 14. So, the, stones, the stone-built temple in Jerusalem now would be surpassed because that temple was pointing to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to come. And then, having looked at John 1.14, let's turn now to John chapter 2. And look at this discussion in verse 18. Jesus has just cleansed the temple. Here comes the discussion. In verse 18, so the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Basically, who do you think you are? bursting in on the temple and interrupting what we're doing. And who do you think you are? Where's where's this authority of yours coming from? We should kill you. And we will. Then Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Well, you can imagine the looks on the Jews' faces. Incredulous. And this man is crazy. So they say, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So you see, Jesus is what the earthly temple was representing. It was made out of stones. Before that, it was made out of other materials, the tabernacle. But it was about Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill. That's Matthew 5, 17. So there's a new covenant in Jesus' blood. Remember, the old covenant was only temporary and provisional. Those animal sacrifices couldn't really take away sin. And then we we read in Hebrews that God 
prepared a body for Jesus. And he says, lo, I come to do your will, a body you've prepared for me. Because sacrifice and offerings, you didn't, you didn't accept that. You, didn't please, you weren't pleased with that anymore. I have come to do your will. So Jesus is the temple, but then Jesus is also the high priest. And, and that's also one of the central teachings in Hebrews, right? He is the final, the perfect, and the forever high priest. There will never be another high priest. Where is our high priest now? He's at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And there he prays for us and makes intercession for us. And he's also pictured in the Bible as a lamb that was slain, that was slaughtered. And so forevermore, the sacrifice that pays for all of our sins and the high priest who brings us to God is right there in the very presence of God, seated on the throne with his Father. Isn't that great? So the holy of holies, that's Jesus sitting on the throne with his Father. And when you and I pray in Jesus' name, we pray in the very presence of God the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are priests. We are sons and daughters of God. We are made acceptable to God fully, just as Jesus Christ was most fully acceptable to his Father. In him, so are we. So... The new covenant in Jesus' blood, the new temple is Jesus himself, the high priest is Jesus, who is high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and he is the final once-for-all sacrifice. So therefore, when he finished paying for our sins that one time on the cross and was buried and on the third day rose again, that was the end of all bloody sacrifices. No more bloody sacrifices. But you see what the sacrifices are now. Spiritual praise and thanksgiving and loving one another. Taking care of one another. Looking out for one another. Those are spiritual sacrifices. Sometimes we forget to think about that. But your life and my life is a spiritual sacrifice. A living sacrifice. We are priests offering ourselves to God 24-7. It's so glorious. Jesus really ended all the separation and alienation between God and man, the holy God and sinners like us. It's taken out of the way forever, completely, by what God did for us in Christ. So, A.D., Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant or Mosaic Covenant. Now, let's take a look at us for a few moments. His fulfillment includes all of us who are in Christ. So in Hebrews 12, let's look at that now. Look at 24, Hebrews 12, 24. And this is a whole section. And it's verses 18 to 24. And you'll, you might remember it. Some of you might remember it because he's, he's, he's drawing a, a contrast between the old covenant people when they came out of Egypt to Mount Sinai. And he says, you haven't come to that mountain that was burning with fire. But verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Well, that's the holy of holies, brothers and sisters. Where were the two cherubim? In the holy of holies. What did they represent? Heaven and heavenly worship. The Ark of the Covenant was God's seat the throne where he was seated among his people. And then he says in verse 23, you've come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn men and women, that is. 
We're the firstborn men and women who are registered in heaven. If you're registered in heaven, you're as good as there. Just a matter of time before we're actually there. And then we've come to God, the judge of all. The, the judge of all, shouldn't we be afraid? Yes, but we have Jesus. So the judgment has fallen on him and doesn't fall on us. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. We're born again. And even though we're not perfect in this body, in this life right now, the perfection has begun and it will be fulfilled when we see Jesus. And then here's the, the verse I really wanted you to look at, verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So we didn't come to Moses and the blood of an animal with a mountain that was on fire and shaking and burning and everybody said, let me out of here. And when God spoke, they all ran back and said, Moses, you talk to God. We don't want to hear from him anymore. We want to hear from him because the fear of God destroying us forever has been removed, not by our deeds, not by our whatevers, but by Jesus Christ. And so we've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood, now this is important, of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So Cain killed Abel, and Abel's blood cried out against Cain. Men unjustly spilled the blood of Jesus Christ, but he was God the Father's preordained sacrifice, and the blood of Jesus Christ cries out for you and for me, forgive him, forgive her, forgive them. They're my people. I purchased them. I bought them. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we don't have to fear God's wrath any longer. So we have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So there was Moses, and so Christ's blood was shed, and a new covenant was made. But we also are God's temple. See, Jesus is not just himself the temple, but we are the body of Jesus. We are the church, but the body of Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God. So you might remember 1 Corinthians 3.16 which I think is, is so marvelous is that there, God makes us temples personally and he makes us temples corporately. So 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Now the, 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 the pronoun you is plural here. Do you, plural, not know that you, plural, are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? I thought Jesus was the temple. When you come to Christ, you are united to Christ. Like the bride is united to the husband. We are one with Christ. And he's the temple. And you and I are the temple. For Christ dwells in our hearts. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So glorious. But also there's 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And he says, or do you not know that your body, your physical body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Can God be any more generous? Can God be any more glorious to make us wretched, filthy, dirty sinners to be his own temple? The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us his temple. The holy Jesus Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. And that word dwell in our hearts means that he makes our hearts his home. He comes to stay. He doesn't come and say, oh, this is disgusting, I'm out of here. He comes to stay. And when we're disgusting, 
The Holy Spirit convicts us. We realize, yeah, that was terribly wrong. Please forgive me. We ask forgiveness. We don't have to go get an animal. Christ died once for all. So there's the new covenant in Jesus' blood. We have come to the mediator of the new covenant. We are God's temple, and we are priests. Look at Hebrews 13, 15 again. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, Jesus, let us, the believers, continually offer. That word offer, by the way, is the same word that they used for offering animal sacrifices. Let us offer the sacrifice. Uh, sacrifice? Who's allowed to offer sacrifices? Let me hear you say it. Priest. Anybody else? No. We're priests. Therefore, through him, the high priest, this is what hit me so much was, we are continually offering the sacrifice of praise to God, uh, defined as the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So as you live your life and you do good, and you share, and you look out for other people. You're a priest offering sacrifices to God. And God goes, hmm, that's a soothing aroma. That's a pleasing aroma because you're, you're behaving like my son who gave himself for you, and I accepted him into my presence and forgave all of you. And now you are like him. It's how you pe treat people at work, how you deal with your neighbors, how you handle life, how tight you are with your money, or free and generous. God gave his own son for us. How can we be tight and miserly and stingy with our money? We want to be generous. We want to give. We want to love others. And I'll come to this again, Lord willing, next time, the word fellowship there, where it says, um, uh, do good and to share. Um, that's a very interesting, important word to get hold of. But do you see it? that we're now priests. And if you didn't see the word there, I'll give you the word, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we, we did read that a moment ago, as you might remember, 1 Peter chapter 2. But if you're like me, maybe you're not, hopefully you're not, I'm a bit dense, so I like to look at these verses, and so I have them really in me. And he says, uh, you came to Jesus, he, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, as a living stone. Where's that going, a living stone? <laughs> no, no. It, yes, it is going to Jesus. Right, You're right about that, but there's something else it's going to. Re like Jesus, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are what? Being built up a spiritual house. What's that? That's a temple. And what else? A holy priesthood. That's us. To offer up, there's that word again. What kind of sacrifices? Not animal bloody ones, but spiritual sacrifices also acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we're not surprised that Peter teaches the same doctrine as the author of Hebrews, because it is the word of God. And every one of these men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, he says, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, God says, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 
Thank God. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, the Pharisees, the high priest, Sadducees, has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You trip over this stone, you're doomed. They stumble, oh, so sad, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation. Well, that, that's the kind of phrase that was used of the people of God in Israel. In Israel, they were the God's chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. Royal means kingly, regal, and we're a priesthood. We're a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. That means we're priests and we're kings, ladies, queens. A holy nation. This is what God planned for Israel. And Israel repeatedly failed to fulfill. But God was going to fulfill it ultimately in Jesus Christ. So remember it says, out of Egypt I've called my son. Well that was referring to Israel. But then, who is it, Matthew uses it? God says it about Jesus. Remember his parents had to get away from Herod? They went down into Egypt and lived there for a while. When the heat cooled off, they came back and ended up in Nazareth. And God says, out of Egypt I have called my son. So Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel, just like we are the fulfillment of Israel. In fact, I, I look at it like Israel has expanded through Jesus Christ to fill the earth. So people from all the nations. And that fulfills the Old Testament where many times Israel's promised that the nations are going to flood to you. The nations are going to come to you because you're the place where they know God. So that's even being fulfilled today. Then verse, uh, um, verse uh, 9 again, his own special people. Again, that's how God refers to his Old Testament people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And there again is that promise to Israel that one day the nations would be joined to her. And remember what the original promise was to Abraham. His descendants, right, would be as the sands of the sea and the stars in the heaven. In you, all families of the earth will be blessed, Genesis 12, 3. So you see, God is fulfilling his plan that goes back before creation in Christ, and that continues to be fulfilled in, in us. So we have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We are God's temple. We are priests who offer everything that we are and have to him. We make spiritual sacrifices in fact, I wanted to point out something very important in this connection. It's Romans chapter 12. We talked about this on Wednesday nights for uh, two or three weeks. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Perhaps you know this, one of the verses that uh, we memorized in the uh, discipleship uh, uh, program um, 2-7. Yeah, Navigators. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that means brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that means by the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ, that you present your, notice, bodies, your temples, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now look, look at the, the terminology, the sacrificial terminology, mercies, 
of God. That refers to God saving us through sacrifice. Present your bodies. That's the word that was used by priests to present the animal sacrifices to God. Living sacrifice. They were sacrifices put to death. But we are spared death because of Jesus and we're living sacrifices. Holy. Be holy for I'm holy. Acceptable to God. Again, this is how we're made acceptable to God. I can't be acceptable to God on my own. And I don't, I don't blame God. I, I, I don't quibble with God. I don't say, you know what? If, if, if I ended up in hell, I'd have to say, this is what I deserve. I'd hate it, but that's what I deserve. And the only reason I'm not going there is because of Jesus Christ. When we're in heaven, we're going to walk up and down the golden streets and we're going to say, I'm only here because of you. Anything that we did that was good and right and true, I don't even think it's going to come into your mind. I think you're going to just walk around. And if it does, you're going to say, well, that was you too. (laughs) That was your work in me. It was your grace at work in me. Because apart from your grace, I'm just a sinful wretch who deserves every evil thing coming to him. So, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And then he says, of course, the great therefore in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. An animal couldn't do that. An animal just could be put to death. That was it. But Jesus Christ, he gave himself on our behalf to his father and death could not hold him. And on the third day, he rose again and he ascended into heaven and sits down at God the Father's own right hand. And he will come back. And we look forward to that and anticipate that. So, I want to come to uh, my final question. Go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Simple question. And by now, I know you can answer it. Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. Here's my question. When can you do what's written in these two verses? When can you do and where can you do it? What's written in these two verses? Let me read them. Verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When can you do what's written in these two verses? When and where? 24-7. 24-7. When could the priest do his thing? Only by God's prescription and detailed instructions. And where? Only in Jerusalem at the temple. Isn't that amazing? We are always in worship of God. Life is worship. Worship is life. So B.C., you had to do it in Jerusalem, and you were waiting for Jesus. A.D., wherever you are, Jesus has come. We worship God. So I love, I love how it's put in Colossians. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So not only did Peter teach this, not only did the author of Hebrews teach this, but Paul taught it. The whole Bible teaches the same thing. Without Jesus, you would be just human ruins, fit only for everlasting misery. But in Christ, we are raised up to share the very glory of God in Christ, to be holy priests, 
that live our lives like Jesus, always offering to him the sacrifices of our lips, of our thoughts, of our thanksgivings, of our love and all that we do in these bodies which are living sacrifices. I think it's glorious. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Father, I get overwhelmed sometimes when I see these things in your word and I think, oh Lord, if, if I could just be at the door of heaven, then I could be so happy there. But that's not enough for you. You welcome us in to share your glory, to be seated on the throne of your Father with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, this is too much, too glorious. But Lord, we have to believe it. It's what the Bible says. So thank you, thank you. Oh, we are so glad we'll be able to say thank you for the rest of eternity. And we give thanks to you now in Jesus' name, amen.